0: Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the redeemed. Thank you for tuning in again to our Wednesday edition of the podcast. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh. We're starting to thank for each of you that are listening. Thankful for those of you that uh, listen to the doctrine that we taught the last two days. And it's important that we learn that doctrine as we go into Job chapter 9. And A very familiar doctrine to some of you, unfamiliar to no doubt to others. But it's what the Word of God teaches. And we see that because in the book of Job, we're going to see several places where we see the sufferings of Jesus Christ. And we're going to see it prophesied by Job. And so I believe it's important for us to understand Monday and Tuesday's podcast before we went on to this day's podcast in Job chapter 9. So I do hope that you have a grasp on those things. If you have any questions, feel free to contact us. Try to be a help. Try to be a blessing to others. Because in Job chapter 9, the Word of God says that now Bildad the Shuhite has challenged Job, but now Job speaks. Then Job answered and said, I know it is so of a truth, but how should man be just with God? And that's the great question of the ages. How shall man be just with God? We know in this present day, in this hour in which we live, we're justified by the faith of Christ, and we live by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. We understand that. In Job's day, as Job is speaking, who can be just with God? How can a man be just with God? If he will contend with him, he cannot answer him one of a thousand. Man cannot be just with God, lest he believe God. A man cannot be just with God, lest he accept God. He must believe the word of God. He must accept that the word of God is absolute. The word of God is perfect. The law of God is perfect, converting the soul. He can't deny the word of God and be just. He cannot deny what God said and be just. If you contend with God, you're not going to be right. If you contend over scripture, you're not going to be right. One of the great failures people have today is they're contending over scripture. They're looking at scripture through the eyes of man. Through, through logic and through education, and not just by faith, and believing what God said. And what the scripture says, a lot of folks are looking for allegory, they're looking for types, they're looking for pictures, they're looking for shadows. They're looking for all of these things, rather than what thus saith the Lord. And yes, I realize those things are in scripture, there are things that are shadows, things that are allegorical. In fact, there's times that Apostle Paul told us, this is an allegory. There are times we see the picture, we see the type, but the reality is that we need to understand the truth of the word of God and just believe what God says. And that's what we're going to have to do in Job chapter nine. Can a man be just with God? Yes, he can. How can a man be just with God? He's going to believe God. He's not going to contend with God. Uh, one out of a thousand, he might be right about something with God, but the great God of heaven, the creator of all things knoweth all things, and therefore, how can we contend with him? We just take God of his word. A dear preacher friend of mine taught me many years ago. He said, prayer is our communion with God. The word of God is God's communion with us. That's how God speaks to us. We speak to God by praying to him. God speaks to us through his word. And if he speaks to you outside of the word of God, now, I don't mean in your private time and your private life and in the, the Holy Ghost ministering to you. No, God does work that way, but he always works according to the word of God. His folks have extra biblical experiences and they have experiences outside of the word of God. And no doubt they've been seduced. No doubt there's many folks that have experiences they call God, where Satan has appeared as an angel of light unto them. Devils have come and seduced them. And therefore they say, this is God, but they're being deceived. And yet Job asks us, can we contend with God? No, we cannot contend with God. God is right. Yet, do we believe God? The reason folks are lost, they do not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Intellectually, they may, and in their minds, they may, but with their heart, they do not believe that. Why don't they believe that? Because they cannot believe the Word of God. They're biblical skeptics in their heart, and they don't want to admit that. No lost man wants to admit he's a biblical skeptic, but no man can serve two masters unless he love the one, hate the other. And therefore, if you love yourself and you love your ideals and love your thinking, you can't come to repentance until you're done with your way, until you're done with your thinking, your logic, and then get done with your contending with God. Finish your contention with God and just agree with God. And by the way, when you agree with God, you will have come to repentance before you know it, you'll be born again. And you just got to agree with God. One of the great trials I've had in my life since I've been saved is trying to get rid of some of that old the silliness that I was taught and some of those old notions that I was taught and some of the correction of the Bible that I was taught, not even deliberately, just in ignorance. I was taught things that were contrary to the word of God, taught things that were not the word of God, uh, taught phrases that were not the word of God, taught, to be honest with you, the Godhead is attacked and the very names of God are attacked. Why? Because of misunderstanding. As in South Carolina recently, and a a dear missionary brother, a dear brother, precious brother. But he gave a little soliloquy there at the end. and He went through the names of God. And then that he said Yahweh. And uh, the pastor there got up and rebuked him. Yet I hear all the time, I hear songs talking about Yahweh, I hear preachers talk about Yahweh. It's become trendy to talk about Yahweh, that great Canaanite God. If you read any books at all, I know Gear Replica or Bill Grady both wrote about that, that little Canaanite God, Yahweh, the little amulet you'd wear around your neck. And I remember being in the Carnegie Museum with my wife, and there's this little amulet they found in Canaan land, and I believe they found it on, on Horeb. And uh, they talked about this little, this would have been a little God, a little Canaanite God. And as we sat there and looked at that God in the Carnegie Museum, and I realized that whoever looked upon that was going to perish. That they had that in their home, that perished, perish. Their house would perish. Why? Because thou shalt have no other gods before me. Yet there's folks that that's the God of their heart. They don't have an amulet. They don't have a a uh, little gold uh, cat that they wear on their neck with gemstones and beaded. And they don't have little trinkets around their home that they cling to. But in their heart, they have God set up. Why? It's the, the, he is not their God. They have other gods. They, they cannot serve him because they have their own God. That love of money is the root of all evil. The money is most people's God. And they've established this fact. So Job goes on and says in verse 4, He is wise in heart and mighty in strength, who hath hardened himself against him, and hath prospered. No one has ever prospered that's hardened themselves against God. No one can prosper that has hardened themselves against God because he is the great God. And yet he's not going to be hardened against. He's right. And he's true. He's just, he's holy, no matter how hardened we become, no matter how embittered we become against God. And there are many folks that are just bitter with God. That's why they put these gods in their heart. They love their bitterness. They seethe in their bitterness. That poison that you take to destroy others actually kills you. That's what bitterness does. And folks are bitter with God. They feel like they've got a bad lot in life. They've got a bad deal in life. And I know right now I'm a little bit under the weather, had some troubles, and uh, had a little trouble doing the podcast, had to pray, and God's helped us. And I thank God for helping me. I bless his holy name for that. But I was joking earlier with my wife about the persecution I'm suffering. And, uh, you know, the reason I joke about that is because what a terrible thing to have a little bit of sickness, a little bit of affliction, and in light of the martyrs, in light of those that died at the stake and were frozen to death and were burned at the stake and were cast into the wilderness and staked to the ground in the blazing sun and died horrific deaths. and. Yet, we are all caught up in our own little world, our own little hurts, our own little pathetic, uh, menial trivialities and things that have don't really matter to anything, but we're all caught up in those things. Why? We love comfort. We love ease. speak about myself as well as others, but yet, when we see it in light of Scripture, we realize that... Jesus Christ is righteous. Jesus Christ is just. No man suffered like he suffered. No man took the pangs of death like he took the pangs of death. No man was offered in hell like Jesus Christ was, yet he suffered so greatly. And in light of that, how dare I complain? How dare I murmur? How dare I harden myself against him when I realize what he's done for me? How can I harden myself? How can I become callous against the things of God? How can I get bitter against God, feel like i got a bad lot in life, when I see what Jesus Christ went through for me? He removed the mountains, and they knew not, which overturneth them in his anger, which shaketh the earth out of her place, and the pillars thereof tremble. That's the great God of Scripture. That's the God of Psalm 18. That's the great God that shook the heavens, and he shook the earth when Jesus Christ was crucified under the cover of darkness. He does shake the earth, the pillars thereof tremble which commandeth the sun that riseth not and sealeth up the stars again we began to see a picture of calvary here Because what we see here, he overturned the mountains in his anger, shaketh the earth out of her place, the pillars thereof tremble, commandeth the sun, riseth not, and sealeth up the stars. There was absolute darkness upon the face of the earth, absolute darkness at the cross, absolute darkness under the, the, the night of Calvary, the fright of Calvary, the absence of light at Calvary. And that's what we're dealing with. And he begins to set that stage for us. He tells us these things that we can have to understand there is a day which is to come after Job's day when all of these things take place. God overturns the mountains and is angry, shaketh the earth out of her place, the pillars thereof tremble, which commandeth the sun, and it riseth not. Why? It's the darkness of Calvary. And sealeth up the stars, absolute darkness. I saw an article recently. I didn't bite on it. I just saw the headline. And it said how to find out, you know, when Calvary was, you have to go back and understand the eclipse tables and understand that, you know, when when the sun eclipsed and around the time of Jesus Christ, in the, the time of what we would call April today, around the time of Jesus Christ, scientists try to go back and prove that there was a great eclipse. That's why darkness was upon the face of the earth. But you realize even in the darkest eclipse, you can still see. That aura around the sun, the stars shall still shine in their brightness, but God gave no light at Calvary. There was no moon to shine. There was no sun to shine. There were no stars to shine. It was an absolute darkness. It was void of light. And under the cover of darkness, God came down and judged his son. And that stage is being said here in the book of Job. And he goes on and says, which alone spreadeth out the heavens and treadeth upon the waves of the sea, which maketh Arcturus, Orion, and Pleiades and the chambers of the South. Now, again, scientists are learning these things. They're slowly catching up with the Word of God. Every time they go try to prove something wrong, uh, they prove something right. I found something recently. They're using uh, radar reflection that comes off of earthquakes and great seismic events. it's a very slow radar return because of the distance traveled. But they're beginning to get an understanding of the shape of the heart of the Earth, what they call the core of the Earth. And one of the things recently that I saw an article about is that they say that some of it has a, a shape almost like a city. I found that interesting. And uh, there are gates to hell. I know that. And hell's in the pit. We understand the wall of the pit. We understand that. Uh, but scientists are starting to kind of be confused by this They're trying to figure this out. Again, God is great. Who can figure him out? Who knoweth these things? In verse 10, which doeth great things past finding out. Yea, in wonders without number. These wonders were too wonderful even for Job. He spoke of that in Job 42. They were beyond him. And so God doeth great things past finding out. And he said in wonders without number. When you just look at the bird in flight and you wonder at that bird, he speaks of the eagle in the air, how you wonder at that eagle in the air, the greatness of that eagle, look at that serpent upon the rock. That's a wonderful thing. It's too wonderful for me. The way of a man with a maid, it's too wonderful for me to figure out. That ship upon the sea, too wonderful for us. We can't understand these things. God's ways above our ways. God's thoughts above our thoughts. We're not going to figure these things out. But by faith, if we believe God, believe what God said, then we can understand that God can do these things. We can understand how God does these things. Why? By his mighty power, by his outstretched hand, by his mighty right arm. That's how God does. These things and I don't need a deeper Explanation than that I don't need to understand The logic or the physics and all of those things Just need to believe God And so as we stop there for the day, Lord willing, we feel a little bit better for the next podcast, be able to go a little bit longer, Uh, but we're going to start again then in verse 11. We're going to see as Job again speaks in the first person, but we're going to see him step outside the role of Job, step into that role of prophecy. The stage has been set here in Job chapter nine. Calvary has been set here at Job chapter nine. And Lord willing, as we get down here in the chapter, we'll look at a few of these things. So look ahead, read ahead if you get a chance, study the book of Job, study chapter nine a little bit. And Lord, willing, tomorrow we'll get the prophecy concerning Job. Have a great day. There's a lost soul who's tired of his sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord. As he cries for forgiveness and mercy, God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Powerful podcast with evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelists.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manassa Community Baptist Church, 70 back hollow road blaine pennsylvania 17006 thank you for listening and we pray that the lord will help each of us as we study and preach the word of god don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow and remember to look up for your redemption for all at night now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints, all with gladness, are singing the glory, a song of the Redeemer.